Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. This morning. Um, well, today we're kicking off a new series, and um, we're simply calling it Hopefully. And as we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at this concept, to hope fully, to not just kind of hope a little bit or, or the way we throw the word hopefully around, but we want to, to hope fully. So if you've got your bulletin, you've got your version app open, this is where we begin to track together in this. And, and our concept is that life isn't fully lived if hope isn't fully embraced. Life is not fully lived unless hope is fully embraced. And our hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. But sometimes, sometimes hope can be hard to fully embrace. Sometimes hope can be hard to keep at, at, a, at a reachable distance because in life, sometimes there are things that are devastating that happen. You have your hopes placed in a place. You think things are going to go in a certain direction. You're like, yes, everything is tracking and then devastation happens. And honestly, this is where we find the followers of Christ on Friday night and Saturday morning. Let's go ahead and watch this a bit. So how do we hope? How do we hope when things did not go the way we thought that they were going to go? Peter and John, they'd followed Jesus. They laid it all down, dropped their careers, dropped everything. Had an amazing moment a week before with a triumphal entry and come in and it looks like everything's going exactly right. We're peaking. Everything is, is going exactly right. And then everything turns on a dime. And then what felt like a blink of an eye. On a Thursday evening, Jesus is betrayed. He is beaten all night. Early Friday morning, he's placed on a cross. And all of a sudden, Jesus is dead. He's dead. He'd come in as a king, and all of a sudden, he's dead. And now they're just hiding, held up, afraid. We're invited in and heard the most amazing words of hope anybody could ever hear. They followed Jesus. They had meals with him. They laughed with Jesus. And then all of a sudden now all hope has been ripped away. All hope has been ripped away except for the fact that Jesus said it was going to go down this way. Except for the fact he said this is how it's going to go. In fact, Peter rebuke Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. When Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to come back alive. He got lost at the dead part. I mean, the alive part would have been pretty cool. That'd be pretty awesome. But he pulls Jesus aside and says, no, no, never, my Lord. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of, of men. You would think Peter would remember being called Satan the last time he said Jesus was we didn't want any part of this death and resurrection thing. But instead, they're, they're held up, and we, we catch up with them in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, we catch up, and it's, it's today. 
It's Sunday morning where we've all gathered and we're excited and there were sunrise services. But guess what? On that first Easter, there were no sunrise services. Jesus came out of the empty tomb to an audience of no one. No one. His disciples had been told it was going to happen. You would think that they had been kind of peeking over out of the bushes saying, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Jesus came out of the grave to an audience of no one. Luke chapter 24 verse 1 says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, they're not going to cook a meal and have an awesome little picnic breakfast. These are the spices to prepare his body. They're going to a tomb to find the dead Jesus. They're not going to find a live Jesus. They're going to find a dead Jesus. And they're going to finish the part of grieving and, and preparing his body for burial. But when they get there, they, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So there it is. There's just this empty tomb. There's no soldiers around anymore. The stone is rolled away. They peek in there. They're carrying their stuff. And there's no body. There's nothing to do with their stuff. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleam like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember? He told you this. You shouldn't be surprised by this. In the middle of your darkness, there was something he had said that was supposed to carry you through. You were never supposed to be hopeless. Even when it looked hopeless, you were never supposed to let yourself get hopeless because he told you what the end result was going to look like. He told you it wasn't going to stay that way. We should never have been hopeless. You should never been there. You remember what he said? That the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raised again. Oh, my goodness. Betrayed and delivered into the hand of sinners. Check. Crucified. Check. Maybe number three, check, is going to hit too. Maybe that one's going to go too. Maybe Jesus is going to get the, the trifecta here, the hat trick. He's going to make it happen. He's going to go three for three. He says, and then, then, after having an angelic prompting, then they remembered his words. See, folks, true hope is found in resurrected Jesus. And there's a lot of people that try to make Jesus their own without it being resurrected Jesus. There are groups of religion that will say Jesus was a great prophet. This whole thing of him, his death and resurrection, is that, that's not the way it went down. Say Jesus was a good man and he got, had some good teachings and a lot of that kind of stuff. And do not have a resurrected Jesus. Our hope is found. And not just a man who ancient, a long time ago, spoke some good words. Our hope is found in a man that's still alive today. That he's not a historical figure, he's a current figure. That he's alive today. 
that he is the one who came out of the grave. Our hope is found in resurrected Jesus. The reason we still talk about the Sermon on the Mount is because the resurrection proved that Jesus knew what he was talking about. That's the reason. Had Jesus not come out of the grave, we wouldn't have known anything else that he had to say. It had all been whisked away. It had all been put aside. Our New Testament, the fact that it's written, is hinges on Jesus, the resurrection. Folks, our faith is not in a book. It's not in a book. We do not have a book that is the, the core of our faith. We have a person and an event. We have Jesus and the resurrection. And that is the center of our faith. And if we ever forget that, we begin to drift and we begin to get off. It is, that is the center of our faith. That Jesus died for our sins and he did not stay dead and proved that he would be able to do it. He showed his love for us. It goes on. In verse 9, Luke 24, verse 9, says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. These, these ladies, praise God for the ladies. They were the first ones to preach the resurrection. Women were the first ones to preach the resurrection. How sad is it that for so long people said women couldn't preach when the first ones to preach the resurrection were women? It's the truth. We're just, we're just sitting there reading the account. This is how it went down. This is the, they preached the resurrection, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. Okay, I just want to throw out something here. If, if maybe if you're here to humor somebody you love, they said, uh, uh, will you come to church with me on Easter? It's important to me. And you're very kind and you're very sweet and you're at church this morning because of you love somebody who sitting, you're sitting next to. And the stuff we're talking about seems like nonsense to you. Um, it's okay. Because Jesus' best friends, it seemed like nonsense to them in this moment too. Okay? So I just want to take all the pressure off of you right now. Okay? I want to take all the pressure off of you. That you're not here and that if you have questions and you have concerns and you have things, that you're with a group of religious nuts and we're going to shout you down and beat you up and call you some sort of doubter. Okay? We're not going to do that to you. You're, you're in a safe place. Because guess what? Jesus' best friends, best friends heard the, heard the resurrection preached for the first time and thought it was nonsense. The ones who Jesus said, I'm going to come out of the grave. And they think it's nonsense. They think it's nonsense, okay? And so we, so many times we can look down and we grow up in a Christian culture and we're steeped in this. And you come along and maybe it's cool when you're five and maybe it's cool when you're seven and maybe it's cool when you're 15. But at some point you begin to think about it and all of a sudden maybe you begin to have questions. And sometimes it's difficult to have questions when you grew up in a culture that says this is the way things are. But the thing is, is you don't need somebody else's faith. You need your own. And if right now, if it starts at nonsense... And, that, and you're owning that, that's the beginning of your faith, and we embrace that. 
Okay, it don't feel like faith to you, but I know where nonsense turns into. If you'll be open and you'll, let, and you'll begin to investigate, you'll begin to see. You'll begin to see. Because that is where it didn't stop. It didn't just stop like nonsense and ladies, y'all get out of here. Let's keep going. Verse 12, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Now, there were 10 others there. Another story says that John goes with him. But in this account, we only hear about Peter. So the bulk of them stay back and wallow in the nonsense. We know it doesn't stay that way for them. But Peter decides to investigate. That's a great next step. That is a great next step. That if you're here this morning and all of a sudden now you're breathing a sigh of relief that we're not going to give you a hard time. Then guess what? We just ask you to be like Peter. And investigate. Just begin to dig a little deeper. Just begin to see what's here. And Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away and was like, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He did it. Nope. It says, wondering to himself what happened. He sees the strips of linen. And he's still mulling it over. He's still trying to figure out. Peter writes part of our New Testament. Peter be- preaches what the first big sermon where tons of people come to Christ after, after Jesus' ascension. Peter does the stuff, but he goes from nonsense to investigating to wondering to himself. And that is a legitimate journey of faith. There's a legitimate journey of faith, and we see that here with Peter. And if you're there to this morning, please, please, Maybe you can't shout, Jesus is risen with the rest of us. But I ask you, I ask you to just investigate. To let your nonsense go to investigating and then go to wondering to yourself. See, this is it. And for the rest of us, for the rest of us who, who are Christ followers, wise followers of Christ, do we so often wonder when he's already spoken He's already spoken. The ladies had decreed what they saw. They said, the angel said, remember what he said. They're still acting like it's nonsense. Peter's investigating and he's wondering. When Jesus has already spoken, so many times we find ourselves, especially as as the people of God, feeling hopeless because we get stuck wondering instead of holding on to the promise. We get stuck wondering, and our hope begins to slide instead of holding on to what was said. The thing that that the, the angel said is, remember what he said? Remember what he said? We have to remember what Jesus said. But I think so many times the reason that we have a hard time with our with our when our hopes have been dashed and we're reluctant to hope fully is because it hurts to have hope dashed. It hurts. Somebody says, hey, you know, I want to I wanna take you out, and, and uh, I want to I feed you an awesome meal. And you get ready, and, and then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to work late. Uh, a little downer. Hope's built, a little downer. You tell a kid, we're going to Disney World. They were totally fine until you said that. Then they go berserk. You come back next week and say, we're not going to Disney World. And they're in a puddle of tears. Their world had not changed. 
But hope had been breathed and hope had been ripped. And genuine grief existed. And we've had that in our lives multiple times. And we get a little reluctant to hope. So we begin to be cautious. And we begin to say, how are things going to be? And we say, well, hopefully it's going to be all right. Which hope is a powerful word. But when we say hopefully, we're mean and probably not. Are you, uh, or, you know, how are things going to be? Think your marriage is going to do better? Hopefully. That means probably not. Instead of being full of hope. Being full of hope. But I think one of the hardest places for us to really grab a hold of hope is when we feel like we deserve our hope, hopeless state. When we feel like we deserve What's coming to us. We feel like we've earned it. We've blown it. We've ruined it. And then we feel like we kind of deserve it. That's a hard place for us to grab onto hope. <clears throat> Years ago, this is one of my favorite dad stories, is uh, Carson, who just turned 16, was about six. And we were playing in the kitchen, and he had Nerf swords. And, and of course, Nerf swords are made of Nerf, and so these are not hard. And uh, we're playing, and um, so we're sword fighting, and I come across, and I whack Carson too hard. I was, you know, a 35-year-old man, and I smack him. He's six years old, and it stung, and he started to cry. And I felt terrible. We were having fun. We were playing, and now I've made this little kid cry. And, and so I, I was like, my, my brain, I did not think it through. I went back to just that natural thing. And I was like, all right, I hurt you. I'll let you have revenge. I'll let you have some retribution. So I was like, Carson, here's the sword. Just go ahead and hit me. And then I braced myself. A 35-year-old man <laughs> bracing himself against a 6-year-old with a nerve sword. <laughs> what a pathetic sight. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, all right, Carson. All right, Carson, hit me. Bring it, son. Bring it. And I'm just like... Like, I'm going to get hit by a bolt of lightning or something. And so he's sitting there, and he take, has that sword in his hand. He had been, still has tears in his eyes from the pain. And that little six-year-old understood what his preaching daddy did not understand. And praise God, what our Heavenly Father does understand is that vengeance doesn't end it. It keeps the cycle going. The only thing that ends it that ends offense, that ends pain, that ends a, ends a broken relationship is love and forgiveness. That's the only thing that does. And Carson has that sword, and I'm like, Sam, bring it, son, bring it. He says, this is what I'm bringing. And he comes up, and he gives me the biggest hug. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, my kid gets it. I'm an idiot. Like, Double idiot. I hit my kid. I wanted vengeance. What am I training him to do? What is this? This is a horrible father moment. I need a full reset for today. It was terrible. Except that it was beautiful. And then my six-year-old son reminded me that that is what Jesus said. When the, when the world was screaming at him when he was there on that Friday was being flogged and mocked and ridiculed when his best friends ran away from him and deserted him when he was there and they are they're saying go ahead call for Elijah call for backup call for these different things Jesus says this is what I'm bringing 
And he died. He died for us. He died for us, and we didn't deserve it. But you know what we also didn't deserve? We didn't deserve the hope we get because he didn't stay dead. Because that grave emptied out. See, that's what lets us know how, how, how sad would it be that if our, our sin killed Jesus and kept him dead. But you know what? It wasn't too much for him. It wasn't too much for him. You are not too much for God. You're not. Your problems aren't too much for God. He's still loving you. He's still smiling. He's still got hope for you. It doesn't matter that you made the problem last night or last week or last month or last year and you're still dealing with it. You can have hope. He's given it to you. The resurrection is our source of hope. It changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus gives us a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus was not just his resurrection, folks. It's our new birth. It's our new birth. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, That is why we labor and strive, because we've put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Paul says the resurrection is so important to the Corinthian church. He says, and if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. You can't hang on to Jesus' teaching and say that the resurrection it didn't, didn't happen and still feel like you're getting, getting something good. No, if, if Jesus isn't raised, their faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it's all about this life and there is no resurrection, Christians are pitiful. Pitiful. It all comes back to the resurrection. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I love, love, love the way the message translation puts this says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Folks, hope is so important because that is there. That begins to be the place where our faith attaches to faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. And if we don't have hope for anything, faith is pointless. It's pointless. But guess what? We do have faith. We have faith in a God who, who gives us life. We have faith in a God who gives forgiveness of sin. That death is not the end. That there is a hope and there is a future. Because folks, I'm telling you, the resurrection changed everything. Our worship team is coming.
Praise God. Praise God. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is alive. So folks, this morning, our bottom line is that hope is fully alive. It is fully alive. And because hope is fully alive, we can hope fully. We can hope fully. We can put our full hope in Christ. We don't have to live with our foot on the brakes in, in the area of hope. We don't have to back off. We don't have to, to, to walk around like, like something bad's around the corner. We can live like there's a miracle around the corner. We can live like, like God is on the move. We can live like, like we have a promise and a Savior who is alive. We can live full of hope in life today. But this begins... This begins, folks, by simply recognizing and saying yes to who Jesus is and what he's done. So this morning, I would like to create a moment. I'd like to create a moment where maybe if you've been on the outside on this deal and, and you, thought, you thought God was a vengeful God. And you've been reluctant. You've been reluctant to show up into a church because you thought he was going to strike you. You thought you were, you were owed vengeance. For some of your decisions and some of the things you've done. But today you see that the cross. The cross was about God saying this is what I'm bringing. And I've got love. I've got acceptance. I've got forgiveness for you. And today you see that the empty grave. The empty grave is for you too. That you have an empty grave. You have a grave that you don't have to be afraid of. You have a grave that isn't the end. You have a grave that will not stay full because you have, uh, you have resurrection and you have life in Christ. So if that's you this morning and you want to place your faith in a God and a Jesus who's alive, a Jesus who died for you and rose for you and lives for you, and if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand and we want to pray for you. Awesome, awesome, praise God. Awesome, yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. Believers, I want you to just lift your voice with these. We're going to pray together. Just, just borrow these words of mine. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus. That Jesus' death covers my death. And Jesus' life gives me life. And I believe that today. Today, I am your child. And you're my father. Jesus is my savior. And heaven is my home. And I believe that today. I give you permission to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, yes. Our prayer team's coming forward right now. They're coming forward. So if you could just stand up. And I want to pray over you as we go out of here. If you need prayer for anything at all, they're here to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for your love for us. We're so thankful, Lord, that you are good and you're always good. We're thankful, Lord, for the resurrection. And, Lord, and we just speak life this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that because Jesus is alive, we are fully alive. Heavenly Father, because hope is alive, we can have full hope in Christ. We just thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Resurrection Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. 
We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.